Hello and welcome to Scott's Movie Pod, until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Uh, we're here to talk about movies, the reasons why we like or love them, good, bad, or indifferent, but mostly because I've never seen a movie that was so terrible there wasn't at least one good thing about it or one good moment that redeemed it or that I enjoyed. And that's why we're here to talk about what we love about these movies. Today, I have a special guest, not a writer, not a director, but my own flesh and blood, my brother, Tyler, a cinephile, much like myself, lifelong. Yeah. Hell yeah. I watch a lot of movies, man. Watch yeah. a lot of movies. You definitely glad to have. be here. Glad, yeah, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, so what are we talking about today, Tyler? Uh, today, we're talking about Fast Five, the fifth installment to the Fast and the Furious series, and a real riot, if I do say so myself. <laughs> That's right. We're here to talk about uh, Fast Five, directed by Justin Lin, written by Chris Morgan and Gary Scott Thompson, starring Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, Matt Schulz, Sung Kang, Gal Gadot, so many people. Dwayne Johnson, Don Omar, Joaquin de Alameda, Tego Calderon, uh, Elsa Pataki, Michael Irby, Fernando Chen, and that's just the, the main the main cast. First build. Um, yep. A lot of people in this movie. Let's uh let's jump right in here. What are your initial thoughts about it generally? And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna add this in here. Why this movie? Oh man, okay, well. I, I've always thought that the Fast and Furious franchise was fun and ridiculous. Um, and it, you know, it started off relatively grounded for what it was. But by the time we get here to Fast Five, that's when that's when they really just embraced how ridiculous and how big we could go with these set pieces. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I remember the first time I watched it, I had so much fun in the theater and despite how ridiculous the movie is every time i've watched it since then it's just so fun it's <laughs> fucking silly dude <laughs> it really is um like i said we're not really gonna like talk shit about the movie or anything like that because we're, we're talking about why we loved it but part of loving this movie especially these franchises of these movies are how silly they are and sometimes frankly at times just beyond ridiculous <laughs> yeah man i mean uh and it's like you say uh you know there, i've never seen a movie so bad that you can't find something good or something fun about it and uh i think that this movie really goes back and forth on the good and bad but it, it does i can't it definitely be mad does. at the bad <laughs> yeah you know for for the things that you could say are quote-unquote bad they're they might be but they're hard not to enjoy or at least get a kick out of. So your initial thoughts, how did you feel? And what did you think about it the very first time you saw it? If you can, if you can recall. Um, I, the very first time I saw it, I didn't think it was like all that crazy, uh, which is the funny part because you walk away from it and you keep thinking about it and you're like, wow, that, that really was off the chain um but i thought that uh i thought that it fit well into what had been established in the fast and furious um you know universe if you want to call it that and uh and at the very least all the like characters coming together from the previous movies was like wow it's, it's like the fast and furious superhero team up how fun yeah yeah 
it's hard for me to say what my initial thoughts were about it because having just finished watching it, I am not entirely certain I ever watched this movie all the way through. So this could be my very first watch through start to finish of this movie. I know I've seen pieces here and there. Mm. And I feel like maybe I started this movie a long time ago and then never finished it. Yeah, but, uh, you were you were vaguely aware of the the beginning sequence with the 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 train and the bridge. Right, uh, exactly. I remembered that. I remembered that, and I can't remember why I couldn't remember past that. I don't know if it was like I just uh, I had to leave or I turned it off and was just like, okay, I'm done with it. you know. Yeah, it was probably the, the latter. You just couldn't muster up the the, the strength to care. Oh man, I. I <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, like the Fast and Furious movies as a franchise have never been something I've been a huge fan of or that into really like I, I liked the first yeah. one. And uh, <laughs> it's not that I hated the rest of them. I just didn't understand the point for a lot of them. There uh, isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, after, the, after the first one, it's just kind of like you're, it's you, the movies I feel like solely exist to be ridiculous at that point it's like once you finally get past that and accept that then you can have more fun with them because i know it took me a long time to get to that point for all of these movies just in general mm -hmm. but anyway my initial thoughts on fast five having i guess just watched it now is uh it's just as ridiculous as every other one that i've seen and it was fun to watch and uh it's a fun ride regardless i have things to say about some of the movie <laughs> nitpicky things that you know in this universe don't really matter but eh, regardless of that uh it's a fun watch it, it is it's a fun ride start to finish even when it's silly there are characters you you can really get behind and enjoy there are characters you hate and you like hating them kind of thing mm -hmm. so you know i i think it's successful in being entertaining and doing what it's it set out to do, which is raise the bar from the last one, which is what every movie seems to be trying to do, is just raise that bar a little higher every single time for what they're uh, they're accomplishing or exactly uh, that's why what uh, ridiculous that's why things like they say, can accomplish, you know. Yeah, that, that's why I like to say uh, I started to say this to you the other day. Um, Fast Fast Five is basically where they jumped off the rails firmly and said we're we're never going back. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of stealing this from a, a YouTube channel I've watched, Cosmonaut Variety Hour, but that, uh, it marks the, the benchmark where Fast, the Fast and Furious series really kind of just becomes anime um, in uh. its ridiculousness and like what they what they start doing with these vehicles is just pfft. don't even watch the next couple of movies if you if Fast Five lost you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to say that is a that's, that's an interesting take and one that I have not ever considered, but it does kind of make sense actually. <laughs> Thinking about like, it as like an anime. Yeah, the, I I feel like there's just so much there that that doesn't jive if you want to take it seriously. Uh, where like you know it's like they're in the middle of planning this ridiculous unnecessary um but epic heist and throughout it are just kind of chilling in this like fucking bunker and hanging out and it, it's almost like we're watching the filler parts of the show before we get to the action <laughs> yeah and that that is one thing that i had a little a little gripe with while watching was just they they address it but they address it way later than i feel like they should have um yeah they're hanging out in this like <laughs> this space where this mad dog hunter has been after them for, for after them yeah for a while 
and he's like okay well we're on the and you know you could argue oh they're, they're going to be looking for three of us. This is my Vin Diesel. They're going to be looking for three of us. We've got to split up. No, we can't because we're family. Because we're family. Yeah. Ex- and so he's like, we know what we got to do. We got to get more people here. Then they'll, then call, they will, call then they'll be confused. We're going to call in six more people. It's going to be great. And then, you know, you, they call in six more people after they also get rid of one guy, Vince. And uh, yeah. if I'm being honest, like, I've never liked Vince. As a character, you didn't like him in the first movie. I didn't like him in the first movie. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't enjoy Vince. I think, and you know, I think that's part of the reason behind his character. You're not supposed to like him. I feel like they definitely slapped him back into Fast Five, so you could immediately be like, "Ah, fuck that guy." Yeah, uh, fuck he that was guy. A, we like Brian. Fuck Vince. This guy sucks. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Okay, we talk about like initial thoughts, like what we like generally is it's the ridiculousness is what is to like about it, really. Um. But moving forward from that is like, what what did we like? What worked for us? Why did it work for us? What And uh, we can blend that right into what moments stuck with us the most and why. Yeah, and I do have a couple of things like on the, the what worked for me front. Uh, again, like if you if you watched the first four movies, even though, you know, they were messy on the timeline for Fast and the Furious 3 until after Fast 5 came out. But if you've watched all those movies, you know, all of these characters that come together are established. Uh, So that was pretty fun just to have all of them reintroduced in the way they each got their own little like almost Ocean's Eleven-esque introduction. Yeah, Um, yeah, that's true. But like dumbed down and kind of silly that match the Fast and Furious universe. So that's like that was uh, enjoyable for me. Um, And that's why I don't necessarily mind the 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 hanging out and like just like the chill like side stuff that's going on in the movie even though it, it really shouldn't fit right, uh, right the other other things that work for me or is the action in general while a lot of the car stuff is you know obviously crazy over the top i i did enjoy the action scenes in the favela where they're running from the gangsters and, yeah. and they're fighting like their way out as they go it's like once the momentum starts in these scenes, it just keeps on going. So, uh, you know, something that can be said to, you know, that doesn't really go so well for the movie is that like they get these awesome momentum moments going and then jump into like a moment of nothing happening where we get some exposition that wasn't really necessary. And you're like, yeah, let's get back to the action set pieces. <laughs> that's what really works for the movie. The character montage, actually, I really liked uh, bringing them in and reintroducing them in that way. Because I feel like even if you didn't see any of the other movies, you could come into this movie a little bit yeah. blind with that introduction and still be okay. Yeah, they and definitely show you each of the characters. Yeah. And for me, from like a, like filmmaking and a writing standpoint, when you have to have a big cast, doing an introduction of that cast is difficult to write. So if you can come mm-hmm. up with a really good way to do that quickly, that's always really good. And so I appreciated it for that, especially because it was a great example of just showing your introductions with your characters, not so much telling. They are talking about the characters in voiceover, but they're still showing everything that these characters are doing and what they're about yeah. in a very quick and concise way. So I like yeah, that a, a lot. Great that worked for that me. They fire off like six characters really quickly. Really and you're quickly. Just like, All right. I, I know these characters now. Yeah. And I didn't like I didn't time it or anything, but I feel like screen time, it was it had to be like a minute, maybe a minute tops, you know, and that's pretty I, I good. Agree. That's pretty good. 
So yeah, that that worked for me. The action always works for me in these movies. The action is like part of the draw. They are action movies, obviously. They're action adventures. And the fact that they keep trying to top themselves only makes the action that much more fun, which is part of the part of the whole experience. I think what I really liked was the breakneck speed at which they were trying to move this movie along while granted doing what equates to an over overly complicated story they did not need to do yes but they still made it like they made it work with their action without the action that overcomplicated story would probably not have worked unless they turned a hard left corner into like a serious drama yeah <laughs> then it would work um, and the writing would have to change drastically <laughs> dramatically yeah yeah uh, but, uh, because you got like you got some great elements and there's some classic elements that are really good and ironically i've been watching uh late to the game but i just finished watching the first the three seasons of narcos on on netflix that was one thing that i was like a little critical of while watching was just like man this this cartel it's not having shit together <laughs> Yeah, the sloppiest cartel in history. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) as far as like, you know, movies and television are concerned, like, man, these guys do not have their shit together. That favela sequence is probably one of my favorite sequences in the movie for that reason, was because it was the one sequence that felt the most accurate in terms of like how that would probably play out, even though having the four military dudes show up all together at the same time at the same moment to like gun down the squad of guys before they killed the cop was obviously convenient as hell and not not terribly accurate but you know it's a movie it's an adventure yeah, it's an I mean, action you she the, calls the good out guys that, win <laughs> she calls out that she's got dom four blocks north of your position so right. who are we talking about who are we talking about <laughs> is she talking specifically position was she talking specifically <laughs> to like hobbs She's talking specifically to Hobbs. Okay, cool. But like, there's a whole rest of the team, right? So, you know, they just, that's the only way you can make that, that work in your head is that somehow they, you know, they've all got GPS tracking on Hobbs, let's say, and they knew where to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's um, like, there's a lot of plot conveniences to this movie. Uh, and there, there, there is in order that for it to even play out. But uh, it there all, are it's a all ton of plot conveniences. Uh, yeah, it, it all it all pays off when we finally get to uh, the, uh, you know, the safe, the moment of truth that that last 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, boy. Uh, whew, that is. Um, so, I, you know, if, if, if you want, we can fly right into the next part of, uh, you know, uh, the things that stuck with you. And that safe that the sequence where they tow the safe is one of my favorite things in movies ever just and I, I know that might sound ridiculous but uh i i fucking love it because um for one they throw the rest of the plot of the entire movie just out the fucking window <laughs> it's, it's irrelevant the plan to this point is is irrelevant and we're just gonna we're just gonna fucking bust through the wall and take the whole safe um like I, it's just so it's that's where it's just like okay we're doing this we're really going for it and uh I just love the fact that it's it's not enti- I used to think that it was crazy and impossible and I've I've done you know more looking into this than most people probably should but uh, a a lot of that um of that scene was done practically with them actually towing the fucking safe with those two cars and for a bunch of the moments where they couldn't do that they they cut off uh the tail off a truck 
and put a little like sports truck inside a fake tank. Uh, I mean, a fake uh, safe body and towed it behind the two cars with a fucking stunt driver inside. Like they really went for it. Oh, so, so you're saying like the case whipping around behind the other car was was being driven by like somebody in, in else. Some of the scenes. So like in, in a handful of them, they're actually towing a practical safe and ripping through scenery. They actually took out that bank. Um, it, it wasn't actually a bank, but they did take out a building with the safe. Right. And uh, and then, yeah, for a lot of the scenes where you see the tank sliding a lot more, I mean, the safe sliding a lot more smoothly and not tumbling around. Yeah, there's a fucking truck inside it. I, yeah, that's impressive. I had no idea. So um, not one, not two, but three stunt drivers driving in like in tandem with each other. No, that's really impressive. Like that's one thing about these movies is the stunt sequences are always like, nuts and incredible and the stunt people are amazing and they don't get enough credit at all for anything but having said that like i didn't know that and i'm glad that you did tell me that because (laughs) that sequence is ridiculous and i the whole time watching i was just like there's like this this doesn't how 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 does this this doesn't make sense yeah i don't know i at the same time watching it i kind of was like this has got to be some good CG because it looks pretty real. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I know the magic of stunt work and like how how much work goes into these stunts. But yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot of work. That makes me appreciate that sequence all the more, even though it is insane. Yeah. If you're going to watch the entire Fast and Furious franchise and you want to to know a good stopping point before things go a little too far for your liking, then yeah, Fast Five is really... Like, that's it. They they sold the movie as if it was going to kind of be the end of the franchise, you know, one last job. And and they pushed the like the stunts just to the limit of ridiculousness, because um, then, you know, you get into the fast, the, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth movie. Oh, my God, brother. You don't even know. Oh, no, I do. Like, that's the funny <laughs> thing is I've seen the rest of them at this point. I don't know how I never saw this one all the way through. So I know what comes next. And I know how, how far they push these sequences in the coming yeah. movies. Fast uh, Five is grounded compared to the rest of the franchise. Comparatively, yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> it is definitely more grounded. Yeah. Knowing that changes my view of that sequence entirely. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, the sequence that directly follows that where Dom decides to take on an army of police towing the safe by himself and playing fast and loose with physics, that that <laughs> that is not accurate in any way. But you know, you kind of like you you deal with it. You 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 got to give it to him cuz it's Dominic Toretto, bro. Dominic Toretto. <laughs> there is no reason, literally no reason up to this point for him to be the legend that he now is in this movie. But he is, and you just have to accept it. Oh, yeah. Not not only that, but, like, we're also just accepting, which, and this is a moment that stuck with me because, again, it's absurd, but I couldn't help but be like, of course, because it's, it's Dominic Toretto. When, when Hobbs shows up and faces off with Dom for the first time, you, you know, first off, Hobbs <laughs> should have caught up with them way sooner. Yeah. way sooner but whatever they catch up with them they find them they have this fight what exactly happens your comment about the anime is like makes me think about it through a different <laughs> lens but it's there's dom is no match for hobbs dom has Not never had to fight a guy reality. like this in his life okay 
never mafia guys mob guys cartel guys do not count this is like very different thing so i was just it cracked me up and that's why it stuck with me because i just thought it was so funny that this guy shows up this hardcore insane hard to beat agent of dea who's like a legend who even paul walker's character is like this guy's fucking like old testament oh my god (laughs) he you know he's blooded bullets he's like you don't mess with this guy but he shows up to fight dom and dom's like okay and they start fighting he's like he's like brawly bro he's fueled by anger apparently yeah apparently he just the the (laughs) matter he gets the stronger (laughs) that's a superpower the matter he gets the stronger he gets he's going super saiyan and then he sees oh oh, my sister my my family they're in danger everything's about family my superpower is getting angry to protect my family and then he hulks up and he just beats this shit out of him and he's like gonna kill him apparently uh so that's because i was just like this is you're right it's this movie is pushing everything to the bounds where this is becoming fully a spectacle thing fully a ridiculous sort it's it's entering the superhero realm of like people can't do this shit come on I mean, when you get to, what is it, the eighth movie and uh, Jason Statham and fucking Vin Diesel are fighting each other with two wrenches and two broken pieces of metal that form katanas, (laughs) that's when you're like, "Ah, you know what? I saw the writing on the wall. (laughs) I knew where we were heading. Is it six or seven where The Rock, like, steers a missile with his hand? I (laughs) believe... I think that was six. Yeah. So it's just like, it's only going to get more ridiculous from here. So it it makes sense that you have this moment of just like, yeah, it's like a Super Saiyan power up moment. It's like, oh, my family, adrenaline and rage. And, you know, that's a piece of, that's a piece of like writing that never would have happened without the introduction of, uh, you know, Hobbes uh, in, into this universe. So, Something else that I can just throw in real quick and say it both worked for me and stuck with me, stuck with me, is literally every bit of writing surrounding Hobbes. He is the most fucking ridiculous, perfect fit, over-the-top character for the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, he and like everything is. that comes out of his mouth is a fucking treat. Give me the damn veggies. <laughs> I like my dessert first. You know I like my dessert first. <laughs> like, yeah. Just all of it, dude. That's a that I mean, that's a good segue into like personal highlights from the movie specifically on performance moments set pieces story yeah Hobbs was great like the rock is almost always very enjoyable and almost anything I watch him in I feel like um but him coming in as Hobbs and this being like Hobbs's introduction to the universe especially having Mm -hmm. seen the other movies is really fun and they did a lot with his character introduction and I don't know if that was how much of that was like the writing team or like Justin Lin specifically or The Rock specifically, you know, because yeah. famously The Rock and Vin Diesel clash a lot. I so. wanted to mention that just for the sake of bringing it up on the podcast. But like that whole fight scene between the two of them had to be done basically with stand-ins for both. Yeah, <laughs> because of Vin Diesel's a bitch about it, but whatever. That, yeah, I, I was gonna say like I don't know. I've heard some things about the feud, I guess, back and forth, and it's neither here nor there because at the end of the day, my perspective, and this is how I've always kind of felt, I don't care what your personal beef is with somebody. Do mm. your job, man. 
Right. Like, yeah, like you're you guys are working in Hollywood. It, it's, yeah, you know, and you're already explaining. making way <laughs> more money than you should be for doing these movies, and which are expensive movies for the shit they have to do. So it feels like on a professional level, just frustrating to hear about that kind of stuff where you're just like, you guys are wasting so many people's time because you mm -hmm. can't get along on a personal level. Like, I know that sucks, but you go to like, for the rest of us people, we go to work every day with people we don't like. You got to suck it up and deal with it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I uh, could, you know, be completely wrong here but from my you know last time when i was actively looking into it and this was like years ago i came away with the understanding that vin diesel is essentially just being a big, big old diva because uh at this point he essentially you know thinks he owns the fast and furious franchise right. so he yeah. wasn't getting he wasn't getting demands met when it came to <sighs> the rock or or something pertaining to the rock and started to be a diva about it but yeah anybody's welcome to look me up and tell me i'm wrong i don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate yeah hobbs coming in that was that was great like i think he's a good ad he's a very good ad to the universe he is over the top the character's too much fun obviously huge huge guy testosterone fueled macho i i'm a hunter i'm gonna take you down kind of thing and that's that's hilarious Especially and in the, the context of, of these sweat, movies. The amount oh of sweat God. coming off of his head at any given moment is like, what? what, what dude? <laughs> you got a fucking reservoir going off there. Off top, man. That's amazing. <laughs> he, yeah, he's always very shiny. It's, uh, it's kind of impressive how shiny he is most of the time. He's a very shiny man. <laughs> Everything he does with the character, the, the you know, dessert before dinner thing, that, that cracked me up. Uh, the way he like handled the police when he got there and like, say the fuck out of my way right and dealing with that was like that felt realistic to me too just because of like but going back to the cartel situation is yeah you wouldn't want to deal with the police and having them be told to like fuck off and stay out of it is good which is also why they should have shown up more in the movie just generally but that's another discussion <laughs> yeah. uh Paul well, he Walker's. was definitely one of the best pieces uh, or parts. Yeah, of he's one of the best characters and one of the best ads for sure to the whole, to the movie itself and the franchise as a whole. Absolutely. Um, the other, the, everybody else in the movie is is good. Like they're doing their same characters that they usually do and they do them well. Ludacris is almost always fun to watch and him and Tyrese Gibson. Uh, yeah, their riffing is always enjoyable. It's always it does get fun a to listen to. played out, but still fun. They have a great rapport and they have great chemistry together and like not mm -hmm. utilizing that would be a mistake. So it's, it's good to see them like keep bringing that back in a little bit. And I mean, yeah, once again, this one was sort of the start of that kind of bringing because it, it brings all these characters together on camera for, you know, a much long, you know, they, the two of them were together in the second Fast and Furious movie with Paul Walker. Right. And then uh, and then again. Uh, together in this movie and then you know every basically everybody became a mainstay um, for the movies that came after so I think this is where they got to have the most on-camera time riffing together yeah. and uh, and that's why like in future uh, in future installments I feel like it's a little played out yeah for this it worked for this it worked Paul Walker's always fun like I like Paul Walker he you know gone too soon obviously he's he's done some great things and he would have had a lot more great roles i feel like in his future outside of the fast yeah. and furious gotta give it to him like anything that he did he always seemed to 
put work in or like try to give it his all even if it was ridiculous and some of this stuff in the fast and the furious is obviously ridiculous yeah but uh he you know he brings it like a champ just like everybody else he he makes his character enjoyable to watch he stays true yeah. to the character we've gotten to know in the other movies it's good you know yeah i completely agree with that because uh i think that um he's been the main character i mean people can argue that vin diesel is the main character but he's not really every movie follows brian until he's no longer in the picture um and and uh yeah like so you you see a lot of uh, a decent amount of development for his character leading to fast five if you've watched the other four movies and i don't think that at any point during those four up until now he stops feeling like the same character so they, uh, yeah, they definitely, he nailed it uh, for each time he was reprised the role. I think he did a good job, even though the, the, in the second one, he's really silly, but I think it fits because he's been in Miami for like a long ass time. And he's just, he's just like everybody else. <laughs> I think we'll have to revisit the too fast, too furious, because I, I do not remember much of it, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. It's, but, it's uh, fun. It's where uh, Ava Mendez, who pops up in, uh, you know, the post credits for Fast Five. Uh, shows up as well oh that's right okay yeah so the like, fast five was just like that was their the point in the fast and furious franchise where they're like look we really did bring everybody back we're really we doing it peter fucking talk shit I, also uh, han han is one of my favorite characters because fast uh yeah. what's it called tokyo drift was the first fast and furious movie i ever actually watched uh, oh that's so and- funny fucking love that movie that's really funny also just because of like what we know of the timeline now to be (laughs) it's that that was your first movie is really hilarious yeah it was uh so with that being my introduction to the fast and furious franchise you can imagine i was actually a little disappointed uh when i went back to watch uh the first two when i was like "Uh, okay like i i enjoy these but it's just that it's not capturing that that insane high of like how ridiculous everything is and then fast four came out and it was like okay we're getting there and then the trailer for fast five came out and i was like that's it that's it we're there (laughs) they can't go any crazier from here and as you know that was not true oh yeah it's like (laughs) oh wait we we were wrong we were so wrong i loved i loved han in fast and furious three and uh was really happy to see that his character was back in fast five and rather than you know like sit there and try to argue the point i just immediately made room in my head for these the movies being out of out of the proper sink in the timeline you know yeah yeah i don't know i like him a lot yeah i really i just i really like his delivery on like literally all of his lines he, he's another one of those that just seems very believable for the character that he is he crushed it yeah he crushed it he's uh, gone han too soon and and uh, speaking of that they i think that they did a very fine job of making it work by saying like that the these movies were just out of sync in the timeline essentially that was fine um and then in a in a later movie, they even include the the post credit scene for Fast and Furious three. They basically included a callback to that to be like, see, it was yeah. this was the prop the way it was supposed to go. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a retcon yeah. through and through, but it they made it work. So I don't think there was anything wrong with it. The what were the uh, their characters are Leo and Santos. Mm. Gotta quit with the negativity, man. They were so funny, and they're like they're 
rapport and chemistry back and forth was yeah was them great. as characters is more um, believable than this entire universe like they're they're real yeah people. totally the, the, those characters feel like they they exist in yeah. the real world like in in any any world really like those characters were very realistic and true to what i feel like their lives would have been yeah and then, uh, and then that that little where where everyone is now moment right at the end of the movie where they both decide to put all of their money on one color it's just like yeah yep. all yep. right guys <laughs> yeah and they're, they're they're it's like the odd couple that's what it is it's like the mm-hmm. odd couple and watching them is is priceless because that's that's the feeling you get watching them that's the interaction they have and uh you can tell like these are two guys who have spent way too much time yeah. together way too much time together they, they've obviously shared like a prison cell they, they've been on jobs together they're not brothers they, but they, they act like, like it. they, they act like yeah. they're family for sure which plays into the whole family theme you but know? yeah i mean that's uh, and that's such a major theme of these movies which is is both a good and a bad thing because it's like hey that's not a bad theme family can right we right. stop <clears throat> dom can we stop harping so hard on it for a second <laughs> it's just one of the it's you know there's having a theme and a through line and then there's like it's like we we get the point man you don't you don't need to be so overt with all of the uh the drops here yeah because after a certain like, point it does feel forced um but i i guess one could also make the argument that it's like this is fast and furious it's gonna be forced we're putting it's family in your face <laughs> Fuck you in your face it's fast it's <laughs> furious you can't you can't deal with it because you're furious, furious and that's family. the point that's what we're going for we're gonna make you furious really fast <laughs> i'm i'm honestly uh, surprised there hasn't been an installment called the family of the furious or something like that but when uh when just know, wait like guaranteed that's that's gonna be like the last movie title or something whatever and he's got to run a mission in 2052 or something like that. Oh no, he's got to he's got to run a mission in 2052. He's gonna he's gonna team up with little Nico, Vince's sudden son out of nowhere, who's named after Dom, and they're gonna work together to figure out how to take down some car salesman in the future who happens to be oh plot twist, it's Brian's dad, the family of the furious. No, the one spinoff you never asked for. Critics said, <laughs> could we just have another Hobbs versus Shaw, please? <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I guess the one the one biggest thing to say about um things that worked is that uh characters, they just they nailed the characters and we've been harping on that for a hot minute now. Yeah, the characters are important in a movie like this. Like if you don't enjoy the characters the action's not going to be enough. You might remember the action and the set pieces for the action, but the characters won't matter as much, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could argue that the stakes are low because you don't really expect much of the main cast to die. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't remember feeling at any point in that movie that things weren't going to play out exactly as the main cast wanted them to, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And I... Uh, now that you mentioned it, I don't really ever recall feeling any level of stakes in any of the Fast and Furious movies to that much of an extent, you know? 
but I think uh, that Fast Five is the least the least high stakes there is, despite what the heist is. Right. Like, arguably, the stakes should be high. Their asses are on the line. Their lives are in danger because they crossed paths or they crossed like the the cartel or whoever the the gang leader of Rio is. And, you you know, objectively, those are high stakes, but they never feel like high stakes. They never feel like they're in danger. Yeah, it just feels like I think that's why it's so fun, though, is is it it should the stakes should feel higher, but you get to just leisurely enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. I think that is why it's enjoyable and why people have fun with it. Because you can go and you don't have to be like stressed out the entire time. It's just like, it's a fun thrill ride. And mm-hmm. uh, the heavy moments that come aren't that heavy. Vince died. Vince is the, the one of the least enjoyable it. characters. So it's like, oh, if we're going to kill a character, let's kill one of the ones that people don't really like that much. And then we can push the limit later. You know, to me, that was one of the moments that I was like, this is a, this is a highlight only because it wasn't necessarily good. It was more just like, I appreciated the context of what they were trying to do in the movie. They were trying to like add some weight. They were trying to add some more stakes and, you know, make it like a, well, no, no, it's personal. No, it's revenge. You killed yeah. my family. And just in case I was going to be like, oh, he's objectively not family because he's, he's not blood, but he's been around a whole, a whole bunch of my life. He's like my, <laughs> my brought in family, which is part of the whole thing of this series. But, oh, wait, that wasn't enough. Let's give him a son who's named after me now it's now it's really important it's family man family family this time we 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 shoved family in your face without even saying the word so fuck you we did it again we just did it (laughs) intensely it it feels a little forced it felt a little forced but it was also i hate to say enjoyable because i just don't like vince so and and that is that's honestly perfectly fine when scott and i both watched this uh you know just before recording the podcast and uh virtually queued it up at the same exact moment so when i got scott's myriad texts uh talking about the situation i i just had a big old dumb smile on my face because i just i thought it was so silly that this whole situation had even happened in the movie in the first place and then scott's commentary on why it's a good thing that vince died was just fantastic (laughs) it is good that he dies because it's the only way which you agree like you agreed with when we were like texting it's like it's the only way to add a little bit of stakes a tiny bit of stakes to the movie without interrupting the main cast Mm -hmm. and it does resolve that character so it works my that that my only beef with it was just like he it it was just as effective without him having a kid yeah <laughs> adding the kid You're didn't make it more effective right. it just made it like it gave me more questions if anything that, that's one of those uh there's a lot of switch off your brain moments in a franchise like this and uh and that's why you know it's like yeah we're, we're not here to to nitpick and rip it apart because god we could have done that in the first 10 minutes if we wanted oh yeah um and, and yeah, so I think that's one of those just turn off your brain moments because the existence of, although the existence of his kid was established right at the beginning of the movie and the fact that its name was Nico was also established. But yeah, that whole like, hey, it's, no, it's more personal now. That still didn't even matter. You could argue that it was personal for Dom right from the get-go because they never needed to steal the gt40 in the first place <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> so you know we don't know why he makes the decisions he makes it's always personal for him <laughs> <laughs> it's always personal 
So it's about family. They explain it away with that line where he says, I'd like, uh, the bad guy says, I want to know what I'm working with. And then he says, oh, it goes both ways. So Dominic's logic is just because he wasn't explicitly told that the drug lord's drug computer was in the drug car, he should steal it. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I guess if they were uh, planning on like double crossing them and killing them, then that would be why that would matter. But it didn't seem like that was the plan until dom was like something's not right yeah i don't like it they didn't tell me all of the facts <laughs> the flavella piece the set that's a piece i like we've talked about it a couple of times but i come back to it just because it is anything that's on location and it's very obviously on location i always really like because it shows like a commitment yeah. to what you're doing especially when you're going to do like an action sequence that's kind of nuts you know yeah because like being in that like being in the favela is what let a lot of that cool shit happen like i always thought that like brian kind of like running and throwing himself into these punches without like ceasing the escape was always really cool and it just it felt like accurate to the situation especially the way for that someone they... of his skill level oh yeah um not only that but like going back like again speaking to the stunt team is the way everything is choreographed and designed in the chase. Like none of the chase ever felt, Oh, except for the end part that I already talked about, but like none of the chase felt like, Oh, this guy came out of nowhere. Mostly like you're tracking with everybody that's moving and how they're moving in a way that makes sense. You don't really get lost as far as uh, character trajectory or like where they're at or who's chasing them or how far away those people are. They did a pretty good yeah. time, uh, like a pretty good job with the pacing of it and how it moved and connected to all the different pieces and all the different action happening on the different, uh, like areas of the favela and you know what brian's character is doing what dom's character is doing what the cops are doing it was just really a really well constructed set piece and a really well constructed yeah. sequence so like that one really sticks with me i just really like the way that whole whole scene plays out start to finish definitely definitely like top two because uh, that's going to be in the same you know in the same bracket for me as the the towing the safe scene yeah they're, they're just they're both really the, obviously the strongest parts of the movie i feel like and the, you know obviously there's other big sequences too but like those ones are the ones that really stand out like the ones that i really like so yeah definitely yeah. um all right closing closing thoughts on the movie anything else you want to say oh man um i'm actually as far as clothing closing thoughts go i feel like i've been rambling for so long i'm not sure if i have anything else to add i think would you that, would you uh, recommend this movie I would, I would, but I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess one, one clothing, closing, clothing thought. I like clothes. One closing thought I can, uh, I can say is that when, you know, when I thought this was gonna be the end of the franchise, which was really the way it felt like it was marketed, the final scenes and the, the, you know, the final payoff, they walked away with about eleven million dollars a piece. It yeah. made it was like they, okay, this is cool. Like um, you know, Brian and Mia escaped to you know probably one of the many countries they were talking about throughout the movie and are chilling on a beach. So at that point, like no other Fast and Furious movie needed to happen. It felt like we had summed things up in a pretty good way. I thought you're right. It did feel that way. Like they could have easily 
ended it right there. It would have been fine. You would have been happy with that resolution for the characters. And I think you're right too, especially the way they end it with Brian and Dom. They kind of are, they look like they're working towards like the Rocky 3 ending where Apollo mm-hmm. and Rocky are going to like have one more private fight, just you and me kind of thing. Yeah. One more race, just you and me, one last time. Yeah. And then, you know, you don't see it obviously, but you allude to the fact that that's what's going to happen right right after that moment so it's, it's kind of like oh this this I just could had have a, been the finale you know <laughs> i just had like a lightning strike moment when you said even though you don't see it i get like one other thing in the movie that worked for me uh the fact that when they go to the party scene to start getting cars and you know and they race that one guy for his blue car i actually love the fact that you don't see it like at this point in the franchise those races are so unnecessary and that this this Fast and Furious movie was actually not a racing movie. So I love the fact that just skip right over it. These guys are so good at racing. Why do we even need to see it? You know, that's a really good point. Like, I didn't even think about that. It didn't occur to me. I guess it didn't occur to me for that exact reason. It's just like, yeah, it makes sense. They got the car. Of course they got the car. Like, why wouldn't they? <laughs> and then but... if you think about it for that test, that training sequence, they clearly raced several more people and got several more cars. And at no point did we need to waste screen time with watching it. Oh, yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Well, that's it. That was uh, Fast Five. Uh, check that one out for a ridiculous ride. Now we get to move on to the getting to know you section here. Uh, what I call the big questions. Big questions. Big questions. Big questions. <laughs> so, question number one. What is the first movie you ever saw? In theaters, at home, at a drive-in, if you can remember what it is. All right. Wish I could so, be more helpful with this one. Like I told you, I have what I think it could have been. Yeah, you and I have loosely uh, discussed this, or mostly me asking uh, for your opinions because uh, any, virtually any movie I'd ever seen for the first time, or at the first movie I'd ever seen, would have been with you and the rest of the family. Um, really giving it some thought, and as far as what I can remember goes. Um, at home, it was probably a, a Land Before Time, the first Land Before Time uh, movie on VHS. And, uh, but the crazy thing about that and the fact that I'm having such a hard time remembering is I know around the same time, I also saw uh, Terminator 2. Um, that was one of the first movies I ever saw, even though I was really young. And, uh, and True Lies, as you have pointed out. And then yep. also, I know that I the first I'm pretty certain the first movie I remember seeing in theaters was the Titanic, because I crawled up to the screen and I touched Rose's boob while she was getting drawn by Jack. And uh, that did happen. I was there. Laughed. That happened. So yeah, that that's like you know that sticks with you. That was always a, a, a hooting, hollering moment for us. <laughs> yeah, I can I can vouch for that moment. That was hilarious. We were all there. We. Uh, it's one of those kind of like this isn't real life yeah right <laughs> this is something you see on a show or something <laughs> or a movie nope nope this happened and anyway, i still remember <laughs> Little... it vaguely enough because it got a it got a rise out of like everybody in the theater that saw it you know <laughs> oh yeah people laughed like the entire crowd erupted into laughter it changed the whole context of that moment for the entire theater yeah <laughs> 
Oh man, and that's so funny. It's so jarring from the movie it was. It, yeah, it, it, is. it is. It's really funny though. Just, just like everybody's like, oh, this, oh, this tense romantic moment. Oh, it's our it's artistic and and sexy. And what? oh a there's hand? a there's a kid. There's a kid. Yep, there's a little kid touching the okay. All right. Hey, this is <laughs> this is, uh, uh, this is real. This is real, people. Yeah, and I, okay. I feel like that so, was yeah. my first exposure to comedic timing because I realized like, all right, this isn't gonna stay funny. Time to crawl back to my parents. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Learning learning the importance of comedy early. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Great teaching moment. Good learning. Great teaching moment. <laughs> I thought it was funny. All right, so that's it's got to be one of those. Those are those are interesting picks and uh, good stories behind them. I like those. What are your top three movies and why? If this was one of your top three, that's fine, but it doesn't have to be. Top three movies. I hate. To, I feel like this. Like this might sound like a cliche or or like overly picked, but um, and this is in no particular order, so I'm not naming like this is number one. But I'm gonna right. throw Pulp Fiction in there. That is a. Uh, or or you know what they'll occupy the same slot pulp fiction or jackie brown and jackie brown you talked about on the podcast once before like i would have picked jackie brown as as one of my movies if not for the fact that it, it was already picked yeah that is a fucking phenomenal movie um pirates of the caribbean 3 is one of my favorite movies uh interesting choice that's good we'll have to i mean obviously these these picks we will probably end up talking about in addition to the ones we've already discussed but uh yeah that's, yeah. Cool. that's a possibility i love pirates of the caribbean 3 i think that it is an, an awesome movie would definitely recommend it and i and you know what you could even you could really get away with just watching it on its own with a loose knowledge of what of the pirates universe like maybe go read a quick synopsis of the first two and then just enjoy pirates 3 great movie but oh, you're right. really doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch the whole trilogy <laughs> true true okay uh, okay interesting uh, picks yeah. um this fast five is actually not one of my top three but that's the funny thing about that is uh i'm finding it hard to actively pick another one so i might have to come back to that one of the movies you wanted to talk about which doesn't have to be again it doesn't have to be part of your top three but just because i'm excited to talk about it when we get there you did want to talk about uh city of god city of god city of god might might be one of the, my top three it's definitely a top fiver but it, that's so hard when you start to try and pick a, a, a tight-knit list like that because uh, all these different movies start coming to mind and you're like that was amazing for so many reasons this was amazing for so many reasons and then it, it makes it hard to to write a list down you know sure yeah because i've been thinking about these as i've been watching your previous episodes of the podcast i've been trying to answer these questions for myself and i just am Ooh, such having such a hard time well that's okay hey you know it's your first time on you're gonna you're definitely gonna be on a couple more times for the other movies so uh we'll we'll get to those and there'll be different questions for you to answer then but yeah city uh, of god is also uh uh if, if we're talking about what movies i think all people should see yeah watch city of god dude that movie that that movie is it's heavy and it's, it's heavy. good and it's it's just a lot that you it, it, it's so it's based on a true story and i'm not going to talk too much about it um but i just want to say that like it's the most one of the most believable and well written based on a true story like they don't embellish a whole lot because the person who lived this shit helped write the movie yeah city of god is intense and it's really good so i'm excited to talk about that one with you and excited to rewatch it because like i always rewatch right yeah. before i record and it's been a minute since i've seen it so it'll be fun 
well as fun as that movie can be anyway it, it, yeah it has some fun moments but you it definitely won't be having fun the entire time oh no it's it's <laughs> it's a very heavy drama it's intense um if you haven't seen it hard recommend but it is intense yeah uh what movies are you looking forward to that aren't out yet um uh, gonna throw down the nerdy cards and like um black widow i i i was excited for all of marvel phase four so at this point it's not like that was the one like oh black widow does it for me like i just i want to see it hurry up i want to see it guys um and then uh <laughs> the batman as well with uh right that, that shit yeah. looks fucking dope aside from that i i would really call out like anything in marvel phase four because the whole production schedule got pushed back but we were supposed to be seeing a lot of things um in this year and next year if i'm not mistaken where we're supposed to also have the eternals this year and i don't think that'll be happening for quite a while um, yeah yeah uh and then yeah i i think i feel like there's more tv shows with like the fucking announcement dump that um you know disney made for all of the marvel and star wars projects there's definitely a hell of a lot more tv shows i'm excited for coming up in the future but i can't think about a lot of theatrical releases I can think of theatrical releases I'm actively not excited for, like Monster Hunter with fucking Mila Jovovich. Whose idea was that? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I think I've seen one trailer for that. I know nothing about that movie. Other than, I think it's made by the same guy who made the Resident Evil movies. Oh, okay. You know what? It might be fun in, in um, like, another movie we you could talk about for how ridiculous it is. Because, bro, I had a, I rewatched the Resident Evil movies recently, and I had a fucking blast. Oh, yeah, the Funny. Resident Evil movies are a hoot. <laughs> They're a hoot. Yeah. They're ridiculous. They, they definitely are. But it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I can enjoy them, even though they're, they're, they're not based on the game stories, they kind of run away with their own thing, and I can enjoy them, and they're bad as hell, but it's the commentary I make along the way that really makes it even better. Ah, okay, <laughs> well, yes, Monster Hunter is directed and written by Paul W.S. Anderson, who uh, is the director of Resident Evil 1. Resident Evil Afterlife, Resident Evil Retribution, Resident Evil The Final Chapter. Yeah. Res Dude, Afterlife is... That movie is so, so fucking riotous. Um, so yeah, you know, maybe Monster Hunter will be fun, but there's also it's a completely different source material, different universe, so... Oh, yeah. Know. Okay, well, cool. Then those are some good uh, some good recommender movies that you're looking forward to that aren't out yet. Okay, then outside of that, are there any other personal recommendations that haven't been mentioned so far? Uh, let me think real quick. Personal recommendations. <clears throat> I would, uh, I think that I could, I can just fire off a couple things from, from various genres. Um, Hot Rod's a great comedy movie. That I think that that movie holds up every time I watch it. So if you're someone who hasn't watched Hot Rod, it's it's super fun um and very goofy so that's, very goofy yeah that's that hits in the comedy department uh another movie which uh, i've i've seen i think i've seen it like four or five times already now um i something that really struck a chord with me about that movie and i think it's fucking great but it it, it unsettled the hell out of my brother thomas and uh and uh and the other people that i watched it with kurt and his uh, and his dad also had a very uncomfortable time with it. annihilation 
fucking science fan science sci-fi oh, horror yeah. that's really gonna like fuck with your head um, yeah annihilation was uh that was interesting that was like you know me obviously like i love sci-fi and i love a good dark sci-fi picture and annihilation definitely falls into that category that's uh yeah that was an interesting movie i think that there's there's a lot about that movie like if if it weren't for the the fact that I I find that I I have a lot of different movies that strike different chords with me and I want to talk about them all, Annihilation would probably be on my list as well. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah I'd recommend that in the horror department and in the uh, the action adventure department. Here's one that's coming out of left field. Um, uh, John Carter, really fun movie. You know what? I um, really enjoy that movie. Um, Austin Bosley loves John Carter also and was like uh, I think he was responsible for showing it to me because I never had gotten a chance to see it and I wanted to and he's like yeah a lot of people hated it they didn't like it at all uh but I I really enjoyed it so I would probably enjoy talking about that one on this podcast with somebody nobody has claimed it as of yet so uh we got room and and that movie when I first saw it I knew nothing about John Carter and I just seemed like you know I was uh, I was I was a teenager it seemed like it would be a really fun movie and I'm pretty sure I went and saw it in the theater by myself, uh, and I was like dude this movie's sick what it's based on a comic yeah what? <laughs> it's super cool um, I'm kind of bummed that we didn't get any more of them that'd be that would I know because it's like a uh, and, whole, and that just a whole has to series, do with like. Know? How it, yeah, it didn't get the the reception that I think it deserved, and that's the problem with like uh, it's like like the the Firefly effect. It didn't draw enough attention. You know, right. uh, while it was an amazing movie, and so Firefly was an amazing show, and Serenity, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it got it finally got its great conclusion in the form of Serenity, but you know it should have there should have been so much more and it just didn't get enough eyes on it while it was running on fox you know yeah oh, so the same with john carter it did not get enough it just didn't get enough uh people coming out to see it i think no and i don't think enough people probably understood what they were getting themselves into who did go to see it like some people did and that's why they went um yeah but i can definitely see people going to see that and being like ah oh, this was really ridiculous and not what i expected at all like i guess people going and expecting like a star wars and getting obviously something not yeah not quite that it's 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 there it shares some similarities and it shares some like obvious through lines and like themes but any sci-fi these days is is gonna fall prey to that especially if it's like a sci-fi adventure or a sci-fi fantasy but it is also uniquely kind of its own world with its own sort of like mechanism for the storytelling and the fact that he steps out of what is it the uh it's early 1900s or 1800s yeah. or like late 1800s uh, it's like it's like the uh i believe it was the uh late 18 to early 1900 or no yeah it might have even been earlier a little earlier um having a hard time recalling is it civil year, war like post-civil war i think so yeah so but, it's gotta be yes. like the late 1800s Yes, because like the conflict that he gets into at the beginning of the movie, which ends up leading him to that cave, is like with a soldier from the, uh, from the, uh, the Southern Army, if I'm not mistaken. Right, that's right. Okay, yeah, so that's like right in there. But just having that sort of angle for the story is, uh, like fun and unique and interesting, all in its in its own. So, I yeah, I really really liked it, and I really want to see more more of it. 
and I know a lot of people said it was too long and I remember walking out of the theater and thinking that I could have enjoyed it if it were longer because they did there was a lot they packed into that movie and I still would have sat for another hour that's the funny thing is but there's people who like sat through and loved fucking avatar Mm. which is arguably more ridiculous and longer and they still were were all in in a way that they weren't for john carter which confuses me avatar is paradoxical to me because it's like one of the best looking movies there is with in my opinion come at me all you want one of the worst stories there is yeah like yeah i don't think that it's it's hype and it's popularity was earned by anybody but the special effects department and they're they don't get the credit they deserve (laughs) yeah and then the actors like did great doing their performances in the motion capture kind of thing but that's a whole we could i could probably do a whole podcast on just that because it's not a bad movie and i don't want to sound overly critical of it but i just i i get i am somewhat critical about its like massive popular reception yeah i don't yeah yeah, I just don't think that it ever earned that. It's not a terrible movie, but it's not the movie that it was like hyped up to be. <laughs> right. It made some serious like strides in effects and like filmmaking as far as stuff that got developed and equipment and tools and technology. Yeah. And that's exciting and that's very cool and interesting. I don't know. Yeah. And it has a lot that that works for it. It has a lot that doesn't. Um, I I think, you know, for me, it's uh, one of the things that's like kind of important. And I don't think I've said this outright in any of the podcasts is just like what makes a movie enjoyable or good is its rewatchability to me. Yeah. It's like if you want to rewatch, if you want to come back to that world and revisit the characters and the story over and over again, that only speaks to how, how good that is or how much you enjoyed it. And with, with Avatar, it's just not a movie I've ever really wanted to go back to. And maybe I should give it another shot and like re-examine it, but... Like Cloud Atlas is a movie that has a very, very long runtime, and I've watched it multiple times because I've felt like, oh, dude, that was great. And I wanted to share it with somebody else, and I wanted like... So I ended up watching it um, with the girl that I was dating at the time. And then I ended up uh, coming to visit California a couple months later because I was still living in Florida at the time. And I ended up making... A handful of my friends watch it too it's like it's that rewatchability that it doesn't matter if it's long or short it really is a important benchmark to a good movie because like if you want to re-examine it like there's that you know that need inside you to come back and see it again yeah and clearly they did something right <laughs> exactly they, they gave you moments that you wanted to like experience again or moments that you wanted to see again or like really tear apart and kind of dissect and figure out what happened or something wasn't quite right or something you wanted different, you know, like Mm. that's one thing is like, I'll watch a movie and everybody does it. You go into a movie or a show and you watch a scene or something like that. You're like, Oh, that was that, that doesn't make sense. They shouldn't have done that. A lot of the time, I don't think people have a good suggestion for what should have happened instead. Like if you've got a good suggestion, great then maybe you're right by all means throw it out there but if you have nothing to offer in way of like what could have been better you can't really say anything about the moment because maybe that was something that like everybody on the production faced what would be a better moment than the one that we have right now and yeah that is something that i i think is necessary to um like if if for this podcast we're talking about the reasons why we love movies and if you're going to have a podcast where your goal is to 
dissect and tear a movie down, that's fine because I do that shit all the time. I think that if you're going to do a structure like that, then you also need to have that, that part of like, what would you have done differently? Because if we, if we're just talking trash about the movie, you know, it's, it could be for the sake of comedy, but it, it lends nothing to the argument. Why was this movie bad? You know, like right. what, where did, where did we fall short? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's like, that's part of the fun of like doing this is being able to talk about movies that we love. And obviously it's fun to talk about movies you don't like too. And it's fun to like tear yeah. things apart. Yeah. I just, I've heard too many podcasts where that's the whole point. It's just tearing it apart and giving a review. Like, well, I thought it was shit or like, this was cool, but the rest of it was terrible. And it's fun to listen yeah. to sometimes, but uh, you know, I think a lot of people forget about the work that people put into these movies. Like, even if the movie's not good, it's not, a lot of times it's not good just because the people made a shitty movie. Sometimes it's not good because their hands were tied. Their production yeah. budget was terrible or the people on set were just not doing their jobs or the actors were being divas. You just never know, you know? So I don't know. I think it's probably like a good way to kind of wrap toward the ending here is uh, a good way to just leave everybody thinking about any movie you're watching is even if you don't like it, even if you don't love it, try to remember you weren't there. You don't know what happened on the day. Maybe this was what was salvageable. Maybe this was all that could be done because of one of millions of reasons, especially having been on a set, nothing ever goes according to plan and nothing ever goes 100% right. Almost always, you're spending most of your day problem solving. <laughs> so That's, yeah, That is very, that is a factor that a lot of people don't have the capacity to consider. Like they, they love these movies, but know nothing about the industry, you know? Right. And as long as um, we are wrapping to a close, we're in the big question segment. I actually did have two big questions for you, brother. Oh, okay. Go for it. I know, unexpected. Flipping like, the flip script. The segment on its head. Uh, what movie do you think you have seen the most times? You and Ooh. I have both probably watched The Office, the TV show. We probably both watched The Office a billion times. What movie do you think you have seen the absolute most? Not to give it away, but that is that is a future big question for people who come back on the ah. show. But mm -hmm. it is a good question, and uh, now it's on the record, kind of thing. You know, uh, I would probably say really difficult. I think the movies, I don't know which one I've seen the most, but I can give you like five, which are for sure in the top yeah. um, of movies I've seen the most. And these aren't necessarily like speaking to what my favorite movies are, or my top three, because I haven't quite said that yet on the show on mm -hmm. purpose. But uh, The Fountain is definitely up there. I've seen that. A I had ton a feeling. of times. I thought that might be your top pick, actually. It it may be. It may be the one I have seen the most at this point, but I'm not positive. Next would be Wedding Crashers for no other reason than, uh, and I can't I'm explain to you this, why, yeah. but there was a while when I lived in uh, the garage of our family house, as you know, where yeah. I think I probably watched that movie every night before I went to bed. <laughs> Uh, I want to stop you right there and say that uh, I was, if you had asked, decided to ask me the same question, I probably would have answered Wedding Crashers and not because it's one of my favorite movies, yeah. but because there was a period of time where you watched it every yep. single yep. night. That's exactly right. <laughs> and uh, like I've had people, I like I brought this up, I think 
it was in our my Batman Returns one. I think the last one we were talking about Christopher Walken a little bit. But yeah, I've seen that movie so many times. And objectively, especially by today's standards, that movie does not hold up mm-hmm. and it is not great. Oh. But but there's just something about Christopher Walken in that movie and the way that the two of them interact with each other, like Vince Vaughn and like Owen Wilson, what they're doing in the movie and half the shit they're saying is pretty terrible overall, but it was mostly how they interacted that cracked me up the entire time. And I fell into like a hole of watching the commentary and listening to like them dissect the scenes between each other. So just listening to them like, uh, like, oh, you're projecting on me. No, you're projecting. It's like they, these two guys who do like wedding counseling or like wedding mediation, divorce mediations. It's It feels like they've had the bare minimum of therapy training sessions or, or you know, just like the absolute yeah. bare minimum to pass the course kind of thing to do their job. And it's like, that's the shit that comes out in their interactions all the time is they're trying to like one up each other. But anyway, that's why. That's one of the reasons why I was like, I've seen that so many times because it's just so stupid. The movie's so stupid. And right behind that one is 40-Year-Old Virgin, because right around the same time, I was watching both of those (laughs) movies very, very frequently for the same reason. They were ridiculous and stupid and just so silly. And then I watched the commentary for 40-Year-Old Virgin, and it's the same thing. It's like the entire cast is on that commentary, and it's it's a riot to listen to. Mm -hmm. So those are definitely up there just because of the amount of time I spent watching both of those movies for a period of time there. Uh, The Abyss, I've seen that one a ton. Alien and Aliens, I've seen a ton. Mm -hmm. Terminator 2, definitely high on the list. Any Batman movie, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Those are are high on on, uh, the ones I've seen the most. Star Wars, obviously. Yeah, kind of like the big mainstay pop culture ones are are definitely high on the list, but... uh, I want to see like one that's obscure on the list. I mean, the fountain is pretty obscure. A lot of people don't know what the fountain is, but that is uh, one of the movies I've watched the most. So I just, I just love it. Cause the first two answers you spat out the fountain and wedding crashers were the first two I would have pe- picked for you. Yeah, and, you know uh, me well. You know me well. Yeah, I guess so. Wonderful. Ah. <laughs> uh, that about wraps up our discussion here do you have any uh do you have any tags or pluggables or anything that you want to mention before uh we we close out completely Robbie is straight up and honest with you i would tell you guys to follow me on instagram but i can't even think of what my fucking instagram handle is i think it's <laughs> it's link the gamer yeah i Let's think see. it's it's link the gamer but you know you're not missing out on anything if you don't follow me <laughs> you can fo- you can follow my brother tyler on instagram at uh it's link the gamer I-T-S-L-I-N-K-T-H-E-G-A-M-E-R. Exactly the way it sounds. No apostrophe in its, uh, which... Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Darnell said this in a previous episode, but uh, try to avoid putting the word it's in your name if you can. I, mean, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had people be like, I searched for Link the Gamer, nothing came up. I'm like, oh, my bad. It, it's it's Link the Gamer. Obviously, by the tag, Tyler is, in fact, uh, I would qualify him as a gamer. He, he does game. So maybe maybe one of these I days he'll, just uh, as he'll do the and Twitch thing. Did about video games. Yes, he definitely could. He definitely could. Maybe you should do your own uh, your own little Twitch cast or something. Uh, ironically enough, I uh, am Sans console at the moment, so it's Link the Gamer no more <laughs> until I uh, <laughs> get another fucking uh, console. Or it's I'm definitely not getting a PC. So whenever I get a PS5, you guys, will, I'll be it's Link the Gamer once again. Fair enough. That has been uh, Fast 
and the Furious Five, Fast Five, with my brother, Tyler Segrin. Thanks for stopping by and listening. We appreciate it. This has been Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I might never, ever do. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>